say to America is be true to what you said on paper. If I lived in China or even Russia or any totalitarian country, maybe I could understand some of these illegal injunctions. Maybe I could understand the denial of certain basic First Amendment privileges because they haven't committed themselves to that over there. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly. Somewhere I read of the freedom of speech. Somewhere I read of the freedom of press. Somewhere I read that the greatness of America is the right to protest our rights. Gun violence sweeping a nation, the streets of America out of control, institutions out of control, as senseless people die across this land. What is the problem? We take a look tonight at the gun control issues and the violence that is sweeping across this nation. Ladies and gentlemen, this is AJC Radio. We take off right now. And there you have it. I'm Lamont Banks, along with David Banks, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zapolo, Sapson Riddle, William Williams, Quentin Stewart, Dennis Merritt, and Tanique Wright. Uh, as we get ready to deal with the ongoing issue in this country right now, the latest, the shooting in Tulsa, uh, targeted, uh, story reads that the shooter targeted doctors, shot anyone who was in his way. And this seems to be a trend that is happening in this country, as it is, Almost every year, once somebody has a issue and they go out, whether it's a school shooting, a mass shooting at a theater, grocery stores, wherever, 
They roll like dominoes. We're going to deal with that tonight. What is the problem in this country that has happened over several years? We have seen, and that number is getting higher and higher uh, as we deal with the uh, victims of these shootings. Uh, the shooters many times are killed or they take their own life. Uh, and leaving unanswered questions as to why uh, things uh, have gone uh, this particular way. We don't have nobody to talk to to explain what was in the mind of a killer. We're going to deal with that tonight as well. Samson, how important is this topic, at least right now in this country, it's, it's front and center? Well, absolutely. I mean, it's critical that we get this out here and, and inform the public public of what's going on. I mean, I mean, I can remember graduating high school when the Columbine thing happened, and you know, and ever since then, it's just been continuing to escalate and escalate and escalate. You know, it seems like almost a contest between these sociopaths to get out there and see how many people they can kill, how many innocent lives they can take. And the fact of the matter is, is as we saw in the most recent shooting before this thing in Tulsa, we have officers that are scared to actually get out there, do their job, and protect and serve. So all that is is help helping these people that are perpetrating the con- the the crimes you know, get a higher body count. I mean, here in 2022 alone, we have over 200 mass shootings so far. Are you kidding me? We're not even, we're, we're barely two days into June. Yep. And yep. we have 200 events where people want to go and ruin the lives of their fellow citizens for, citizens for whatever reason, you know, and then like, as you pointed out, they either basically uh, suicide by cop or they take their own life. Well, the question is why? And why does it continue to spiral out of control? Dennis, it looks as though it's, it's the ease in which uh, an individual can get a uh, hold of a weapon. Uh, the Tulsa gunman uh, apparently uh, got the weapon the same day. I mean, he went out and got the weapon the same day of the mass shooting. So I think a lot of it has to do with the, with the way this country uh, makes it easy for anyone to get the weapon, not trying to uh, take nobody's, uh, you know, Second Amendment rights, because, you know, that's always the uh, uh, everybody saying, you know, don't take my guns away. But, no. We need to make it more difficult, and until we do that, uh, you know, how do you go out the same day, get an AR-15, and kill somebody? I mean, that's it, so, somebody should have looked at that. But of course, when it's that easy to get th- those type of weapons, what do you do? Well, how do we how do we how do we go about doing that, Dennis? What what steps should we take? I, I think person people need to be scrutinized. I mean, when you go into a gun shop and you're, you're going to purchase a weapon, I mean. I don't know if you want to call that prejudice or, or whatever, but uh, we need to really look at these people, look at their backgrounds, look at, you know, what's going on. And then if, if there is a trigger or something is triggered in, in that person, that person's background, or you think there's a suspicion of something that might happen. I mean, Hey, well, deny that person, that, 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 that weapon. No, and I agree. There are steps that can be taken uh, and we have to pursue those steps. They, well, uh, I got to push back on Dennis a little bit because he's getting into a little bit of the racial profiling almost uh, by letting gun owners try to determine who can buy a gun and who can't, who can't buy a gun. So uh, it, it's a, uh, the, there are gun, uh, the constitution uh, grants people a right to bear arms. Uh, and I don't know if there are any easy answers to, uh, to that. We live in a, we live in a gun culture. And I think we've got to look closer at the fact that more of these mass shootings are happening now. Everybody's had access to guns since the 60s and 70s, and they had easy access to guns. They, yeah. uh, you hear the politicians uh, talk about universal background checks. Well, they already do background checks 
in in gun stores where people buy a lot of these right. guns. And only people that are going to be denied a gun are typically felons. And then now you got the mental health issue they're talking about where somebody can turn somebody in for being mentally ill and now judge, some judge. So how long does that process take? Yep. And how does all that stuff work? It, it is a, it's almost an intractable type issue. I, I just, uh, fundamentally, one last point. Uh, I just think American society has accepted more, uh, been more forgiving of certain types of behavior. Uh, we have breakdown of families, all sorts of stuff. I think the, oh. the problem is deeper than just uh, the access to the guns, uh, it's more behavioral in many cases than uh, the moral, uh, I think, uh, the moral degradation of the society all the way around. And well, kind of just to jump off to answer your question, Dave, because that, that question about, you know, why guns, guns have been around since the AR-15 and all these guns have been around since the 60s. But during the Sandy Hook trial, which is very interesting, they asked that question, well, what changed? And he said the main thing was advertising. He said there was an aggressive advertising campaign to push this type of weapon to younger men so so these it's not like that they're it's not like they're getting the ar-15 because it's so effective they're getting because it's at the tip of their mind well and it's, it's cool to have yeah and they said they, and they showed how much money they spent to have that gun inside of video games modern warfare 2 they said remington spent millions to get their gun in there and have it and help them so it's shot like it made it familiar, and was basically a marketing tool to push, hey, you need this, you need this gun, you need this gun. So a lot of it is how we are approaching guns as if it's it's just this, oh, it's a can of soda. It, it shouldn't be like that. You should be having, if I have to get a driver's license and test it to drive a car because you know this is potentially dangerous, how can a person same day get a weapon? You don't know if he's trained. You don't know, you know, something that just says, hey, we want to lease see what type of character you are trained. You make sure you understand what this weapon's about, how dangerous it is. Some sort of education, something that you can at least try to deter. And, and, and I'm sorry, I agree, too. I mean, even in the military, I, I wasn't able to just pick up an M16 and fire it. You're in the military. It doesn't matter. I mean, give you a gun for your training. Still, or... somehow, someway, we, we, I'm not saying deny people the right to, to bear weapons. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying, come on, you're talking about a weapon that can kill people. You have you talk about an item that can kill. We're not. You can't just go buy a bomb. Hey Dennis, are you aware that seventy-seven percent of the of the mass shootings are done without AR-15? True that. But I, I'm talking weapons. Period. Yeah, weapons. Period. Not just an AR-15. I'm talking weapons. Period. Even even when I'm in, in the military, to fire that nine millimeter, I just can't pick it up and fire it. But I have to go to a range. I have to be tested on that weapon system. But here, let me explain this. Here's the problem. You're talking about an organized system, which is the military, which they have protocols in place. No, you're not going to go pick up a gun there because there's protocols. When you when you go into a range, you, you have protocols and things that have to be followed, and the military is going to follow that, right, right based right. upon that. What we're talking about is weapons available outside of any automatic, the streets of America, drug pushers, gangsters, all of these things, these people access these weapons one way or the other. They're going to access them. When you're talking about drugs coming into this country and being sold throughout the country, you better believe the person who's pushing those drugs out of the country in 
I promise you they're going to provide weapons to those people to ensure their That's product exactly. is protected. And, and one final note, the government, while they're talking about gun control, they have not done one iota to stop the illicit drug trade. Uh, they, they do a few uh, busts on TV. They're allowing people to pour across the border as far as drugs and, and people to just come across the border. If you haven't secured the border, certainly you're not going to be able to secure guns no, coming across the border. Well, well ain't that the, that's the problem, though, because the government could do more to stop drugs. They it's could. Mo- it's money. It's, it's money. Right. And, exactly. that's, and that's the point is it's not like that we can't do something or try something. The government really doesn't have – who cares? I'm making money off this thing. Yeah, money, the money empire, right. the enterprise of drugs and money and guns and weapons are in the billions of dollars. It's, it's, exactly. worse, it's worse than that. The illicit drug trade, and I'll pull up the statistic, is, is uh, accountable for one-third of the U.S. GDP. Right. Wow. They, can, they can't take that off the street. What do you, they, listen, money at, that, at that, and money at those levels. You're not going to get nothing done. I'm sorry, because you have – I'm saying money talks. Right. And in this particular situation, there's an issue. Uh, it, it, is a, it is a troublesome issue. How can it be fixed? You have to change the behavior of individuals. But if, I cha- if you change the behavior of individuals, then those individuals will not go out and want to commit these crimes and these shootings. The psychiatric, the mental health that we talked about, they wanted to, you know, they, as we talked last week, they undid an Obama initiative uh, to try to be, at least be careful to selling guns to the mentally ill habits, behaviors, things like that. They took it off the table. They repealed it. They pulled it back. Why is that? So then since we can't stop the guns from coming into the country, they're not going to stop that. That's a reality. Then... How do we get the individuals get into their minds, get into the behavior of these people, get them help where they will not want to do such a thing? When you take mental health and you push them aside like they don't matter, then you have the same people going out getting these guns and going on mass shootings. I'm not saying that's the case in every situation, but it's a lot to talk about. We're going to get deep into the discussion. Tanique Wright has a comment when we come back. This is AJC Radio. When news and headlines following an act of gun violence fade away, who's left? The families. Gun violence is real. It affects more people than you would ever imagine. Losing a family member is one of the worst things that anyone can ever go through. This is something that's often forgotten, like what happens to the people after the incident. Although our country struggles to agree on a long-term solution to gun violence, We can all agree on one thing. Any family suffering a loss as a result of gun violence needs our support. Focus needs to shift to the human being. These continue to happen, and more people have joined the club that we didn't ask to be a part of. There's families that are not getting the help that they need. It seems like there's nobody really rallying around the people who have experienced the hardship that we have. So many families in need, and I can really empathize with that. They need our love. Compassion and hope. Life for these families may not get any easier. Their lives are never going to be the same. Ever. But with the support of others, they will get stronger. We can help. The Christina Grimmie Foundation, building a legacy of hope and inspiration. 
For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison, life is tough. Now add a wrongful conviction to that, life just got a little bit tougher. Trying to explain to friends why mom or dad is not at the school play or at the ball game is something that no kid should ever be faced with. Especially if mom or dad is innocent. Ladies and gentlemen, get involved today to stop the epidemic of wrongful convictions by remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation. You can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause today. One eight five 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 two nine. Four two five two. We seek justice for the children as they go to bed at night and mom's not there. Dad's not in the other room to make them feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are our future. The United States of America incarcerates more people than any other country in the world. In fact, the U.S. hosts more prison inmates than all other developed nations combined. As of 2010, the world population was over 6.8 billion people, with an estimated 9.8 million in jail. This figure, compiled by the International Center for Prison Studies, refers both to individuals held in jail awaiting trial and inmates serving time after sentencing. So there are 9.8 million human beings on planet Earth living inside of cages that we know of. In 2010, the U.S. was home to about 309 million people, 4.5% of the world's total population, but housed 23% of the world's prisoners. So take a moment to think about what this means. It means we imprison more people than enormous autocratic countries like China. We imprison more people than Russia. Compared to the size of our population, our rate of imprisonment dwarfs our closest allies, like the United Kingdom, France, and Canada. As of 2010, there were over 1.6 million post-trial inmates serving sentences in America's state and federal facilities. This number does not include those being detained pre-trial or those on probation. The most unique feature of incarceration in America is the large and active role of our federal government. In most countries, crime is reacted to at the local or regional level, whereas the American government finances and legislates a significant portion of law enforcement at the national level. State governments still do their fair share of incarceration, though. California and Texas incarcerate more than other states with over 171,000 inmates each. Florida is a close third with over 103,000 prisoners. But no single state locks up more people than the federal government with over 208,000 inmates. Perhaps the nickname Land of the Free, Home of the Brave, should be updated. Though I suppose you need to be brave to endure the highest likelihood of incarceration the world has ever known. Prisons are not what we think about when we think of America, and they shouldn't have to be. A free nation shouldn't imprison so many people, and a fiscally responsible nation can't afford to. With close to $40 billion a year in state correctional spending, the financial costs are obvious and staggering alone. But the human costs are often underappreciated. 1.6 million fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of American families are incarcerated. 
it's time for people to realize that the criminal justice system in America is desperately in need of reform. History is important because it shows where you're coming from and where you're going. Type 2 diabetes is something that runs in my family, which means I'm at risk. In fact, one in three American adults are at risk for developing type 2 diabetes. And knowing this, if I do nothing, that family history becomes my family's future. And my family is too important to me for that. Take the risk factor assessment today at AskGreenNo.com. You can't sit here. Don't add her to the chain. It was just a joke. We're not friends. Why are you talking to me? You started it. It's so gross. Loser. Weirdo. I've said and done things before that I'm not proud of. Just as I've been hurt by others. The thing is, this. This is not who I am, and it's definitely not who I want to be. I don't want to be cruel. I don't want to spread gossip. I don't want to be a body shaver. I don't want to exclude anyone. I don't want to make anyone feel lonely, left out, hurt. We have the power to be more. We can create a kinder world. It's not that hard. We just need to stop. Take a moment and consider others before we speak. And before we act. Be more. Be more. Be more. Tulsa shooting that took place yesterday, I believe, uh, on the calendar. Uh, says shooter targeted doctors, shot anyone who was in his way. Uh, a gunman carrying a rifle and a handgun killed four people at a Tulsa medical building on a hospital campus, police said, the latest in a series of deadly mass shootings across the country in recent weeks. Wednesday shooting on the campus of St. Francis Health system happened the same week that families in Yavel, Texas, began burying the dead from the deadliest shooting, school shooting in nearly a decade. Uh, they're saying here that the shooter, and this is what the news agencies are reporting, is that the shooter apparently had some type of a back surgery done uh, and was in excruciating pain, apparently reached out to the hospital to get care. Uh, and again, this is just what, what's out there right now. Care was not given. Uh, and the fact that he was in pain, he went to pay the doctor uh, his due diligence, if you will, for failing to give him care. Uh, William, your thoughts on that explanation? And again, when things happen this quick, uh, all types of things are coming in Why and what the shooter is dead. Uh, we don't have a way to interview him, to speak with him of what was in his mind. Your thoughts on the on the explanation of you know, of why the shooting took place? You know, I mean, I, I, I was listening to the story prior to the show, 
and it, you know, you really, you really feel for the fact that this man had whatever he went through his back surgery it was, it, he was in pain post surgery. Reached out to get follow up um, assistance. Was obviously in in a lot of pain. Uh, my understanding from the reports I heard that he reached out, I think, two days in a row, and um, had it either not received the response that he thought he needed or or whatever. So he decided to take action into his own hands. Um, hence, he, he went after that doctor and said that he was going to go after anybody else. Now, I mean, you know, it's just a hard situation. It's, it's, it, it blends two things that we deal with. Uh, William, let me, I'm going to go to this point. I'm going to come okay. right back to you uh, to that point. It says the deadly mass shooting of an Oklahoma medical office by a man who blamed his surgeon for continuing pain following an operation on his back underscores the escalating threat of violence doctors have faced in recent years. Uh, by no means do we excuse the behavior of this, of this man. Uh, but we're trying to get to the core of what drove him to make this move. What, 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 are, what are all the factors included here? Uh, it says here, Michael Lewis, 45, fatally shot Dr. Preston Phillips, and three other people in Tulsa on Wednesday before killing himself. Police said Lewis had been calling the clinic repeatedly complaining of pain that he specifically targeted Phillips, who performed the surgery. What we currently know is that Lewis was in pain. Lewis expressed that he was in pain and was not getting relief, and that was the circumstance surrounding this entire incident. Tulsa Police Chief Wendell Franklin said at a news conference. Doctors have been increasingly threatened with or become victims of violence by patients complaining of pain, especially in recent years when they have prescribed alternatives to opioids and tapered patients off addicted painkillers. Police have not said that Lewis was seeking uh, opioids to relieve his pain. Now, again, let, let, we're dissecting this. Let's open this wide open. When you have a person who is in that type of pain, Number one, mentally, they're not, in a, they're not in the right frame of mind because the pain has caused that. You have to be in pain to understand that pain can drive people to certain things. Again, it's not an excuse or a pass on what he did, but what prompted this patient to feel like nobody cared about his pain, including the doctor, and wanting out of frustration and pain to alleviate the problem. Well, this is this is one. I think the one thing that you hear is he felt like he was not being um, cared not important, cared for, not important, and that's probably going to be a common theme across some of these mass shootings where they're saying, and again, we're not excusing them, but the person, the persons that are involved, have got to the point where they're saying, no one is listening to my voice. No one cares about my concern. No one cares about my pain points and my feelings. So then I'm going to exact, you know, a level of revenge out. And again, we can't, I'm not condoning it, but you can hear this ongoing theme of, of people saying, they're saying, in order for you to hear my voice, I have to, I have to do something drastic, well, you yeah. know? And so, and then to your point, it's very true. Anybody that has spent time in the hospital that is, um, has had the, the surgery or had to deal with something, well, chronic pain, uh, chronic pain, they'll tell you rank rank your pain, you know. And and somebody a lot of the times you're ten, you're ten plus, you're you're there, you're looking for some relief, um, 
And a lot of times the doctors, you have to be patient with them. They're, they're not, you're not their only patient. You're not their only but concern. You, but you feel that way yeah. if you have been in pain. You yep. lose all sense of reasoning. Right. That's what, and again, it's, it, let me make this point very clear to our listeners. It's not an excuse of his behavior. No. Because the other three victims who got in his way are dead. Are dead. And then, and then the, another thing to add on top of that is he's, it, it, it's somewhere in his mind, he's probably saying, I went, I had surgery. So I had surgery and recovery, got out of the hospital, hopefully to relieve this pain or, you know, to address the health concerns. But now I've come out and I'm worse. And yeah. now I'm at, you know, I'm days in. And you imagine, you know, you, like you said, he, the report said that he called the clinic several times before this happened. Before this happened. And, and so, you know, it's just, it's just well, a hard you, situation. You have to weigh, and again, it's not to excuse it, but we're trying to get to the core. Right. What prompted this man, as we talk about guns, we talk about violence sweeping America, we talk about all of these things, what prompted this man? Right. And I can tell you for sure, pain is one ingredient that will prompt insane behavior because people want to weigh out of that pain. Right. right. It, it, it is what it is. People do not want to deal with that pain. David. Um, I'm looking at a study done this year, actually, by the, by the National Institute of Justice, and they're dealing with the upward trend of... Uh, Excuse me, mass shootings. Now, some of the, some of the key findings was trauma, uh, suicidality, and crisis. He said people who were suicidal were found to be a strong predictor of, of perpetration of mass shootings. Of all the mass shooters in the Violence Project data, database, 30% were suicidal prior to the shooting. An additional 39% were suicidal during the shooting. Those numbers were significantly higher for younger shooters with K-12 students who engaged in mass shootings found to be suicidal 92% of the instances and college and university students who engaged in mass shootings were suicidal 100% of the time. So we're, we're starting to, uh, uh, you were talking about the trauma this man was experiencing there in Tulsa. Uh, and you're looking at trauma, uh, whether people are suicidal, what prompts these people to pick up a gun and go con uh, go get a mass shooting. Now, how do you effectively determine if somebody's suicidal, whether or not there's a lot of suicidal people in the world, you don't know which ones are going to pick up a gun and go and go on a mass shooting. So it's, these are the types of issues that makes it difficult to find a, a viable solution to, to this problem. No, absolutely right. Uh, Tanik, uh, I know you'd come across the information, but there was a, a dollar, was it a dollar figure, $51.8 billion? Yeah, I was going to make that comment kind of jumping off of our uh, Davis comment when he was talking about money. They said, and uh, this was in 2016, that $51.3 billion were made in gun sales. So in, if, in the year of 2016, in uh, that full year. Correct. So, $51.8 billion? Correct. And that's all across the board. That's everybody that sells a gun, selling from person, company to company, company to person. So if you have something that's dealing with money, and that seems to be a constant thing for what we've been talking about, is that 
that's why I don't think you can come to the table and make a decision because you're dealing with, on one hand, you, a lot of the politicians see money. So if we fix things or change things, how do we, you know, still make our money? And they were saying that uh, for every 100 people, there are 101 guns. So if you look at that stat, you're basically saying almost everybody has a gun. So in the people who don't have a gun, somebody else has uh, multiple guns. So and, go ahead. And then I was just going to say with that article, David, because I was reading something similar to that about the study is I think the problem is we don't know when a person is going to snap, right? Everybody's emotional uh, emotions are different. So everybody has a breaking point. Your breaking point might be, okay, I'm going to go to the gym and, and hit a punching bag because to really stress this other person, their breaking point is because they're emotionally unstable or they don't know how to deal with something. I'm going to go pick up a gun and shoot, right? So you that's where David is saying you can't say, well, this person is mentally okay, but this person is not because we don't oh, know right. you can't what put- where a person mentally is because what did they go through? What did this person go through? Some people are strong. Some people are weak. Well, How can you determine that by giving a test? Slope, you're saying – it's almost like it, when David's point is like you're trying to predict, you know, remember the movie Minority Report. We're going to mm-hmm. analyze. You just can't. And to your point, Mont, there's a way that someone's dealing with something every day. How do mm-hmm. people release that stress? So well, how do you gauge mental behavior? That's the don't. thing what you said about the psychiatric, you know, states closing those hospitals to, to give some sort of help to these people that are mentally disturbed. Well, so, again, I, it's a it's a but tough, there are people. What if you haven't been defined that way, right? You've well, never there, been on a drug. Other, you've never right. uh, been tested for that, or told that you're bipolar, or you're this, or you have that, and everybody, that, uh, quote unquote, thinks that you're, you know what I'm saying, normal. Well, well the well, assumption is because you did a mass shooting, you're crazy. That does not, not mean you're crazy because correct. You, you did a mass shooting, right? Well, they're going to automatically tag you as crazy. Well, not necessarily crazy. This but I'm saying suicidal, suicidal, but. Um, but They'll find you at some point, um, look, dealing with some severe emotional issues. Severe emotional issues. There's a lot of pain. And again, I I must reiterate, to not excuse the behavior of people reaching a point of snapping. But you have to walk in a person's shoes Mm -hmm. of pain. And if he called two days consistently, Trying to find, and again, this is just what the reports are saying, trying to find relief from the pain. And if anybody knows about back pain, if anybody has any idea of the excruciating pain that comes with back pain that sometimes cannot be fixed, and you can't sleep, and you're, you're trying to get medication, and you're trying to get relief, and it simply is not there, and then nobody is returning your call. That's a snapping point because this is chronic pain. Chronic pain is completely different. Chronic pain is something you live with every moment, every second of every day. And if I pick up the phone and say, I, need, I just left this hospital, in, his, in this guy's mind, I was supposed to be better. And the pain seems to have gotten worse. Then you get into behavioral, like uh, psychiatric uh, evaluations that need to be done because at the end of the day, you can put me on a couch and talk to a doctor, a psychiatrist, whoever. If that pain is still in my back, I'm looking for a way out. And that's where, as Sadiq and David alluded to, there's a snapping point. This man snapped, apparently, because of the pain that he was in. Michael Jackson being one person. 
who said he just wanted to sleep. He couldn't sleep. He took it too far that ultimately cost him his life with that drug. But in his mind, I just want to sleep. I can't stay up another day, hour, second. Give me this. It cost him his life. Was he crazy or was he just desperate? And it's not only, uh, you know, mentally ill or, or, I mean, you got hatred. I mean, look at the shooting in uh, Buffalo. I mean, you know, it's so much going on in this society today. It's not only, you know, you, that was pure hate. That was racist. So there's a lot of stuff out there, but how do you, how, how do you fix it? I mean, like you said, I mean, if you, you can't predict what someone's going to do or you can't predict how someone's going to react. So what do we do to at least try to, you know, dissuade or, or make somebody, you know, take them away from that place where they just want to go out and just kill people. I mean, what do you do? I mean, that's, this is a hard, hard fight. Like you said, you can't take away the Second Amendment right. You, you, weapons are already on the street, like you said, Ma, earlier. That they're, they're weapons that, that have never never been bought. They just came in, and people are using them. But how do you, do you have to do something to try to, uh, you know, turn people around from, you know, using mass uh, murders as, as a, a means to an end? But yeah, I mean, before, you know, we got to this point in society, we used to hear about people going postal, you know, I mean, you know, what comes to mind, you know, in, in decades before when folks went postal, that's what you used to hear about. They got a, they got an assault rifle and they went back to work and they exacted justice on my boss because, but the thing is, you know, this, this gunman in, in Tulsa, you make the doctor responsible for your pain? Did you not come to him with pain? You know? So 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 now he's responsible and he must die. Doesn't the nurse is responsible listen. for my pain uh, and she must die. No, no. Here's, listen. The actions are horrid. Should have never happened. Right. But there's a core problem that must be looked at. No, he's not justified. Right. But in his mind... You operated on me, Dr. Phillips. I'm supposed to be free of pain, Dr. Phillips. And I'm in excruciating pain, and my pain may even be worse because of you. It's not what reality is. It is the perception by the, by, by the shooter. Right. He's perceived these people as enemies. Well, and uh, to Clint's point about postal, 30.8% per, 30 of mass shootings occur in the workplace. So a third of mass shootings, nearly a third of mass shootings occur in the workplace. Uh, K-12 schools, uh, 7.6. Retail establishments, uh, 16.9. Bar, restaurant, people are drinking and uh, anything can kind of kind of go yep. wrong, 13.4%. That's still from that same NIJ study. So what we're going to do on the other side of this break, we're going to start, we're going to relive some of the shootings that have happened over the last several years in this country. We're going to bring news reports up. We're going to bring people talking, victims crying, families, victims' families crying and, and torn apart as a result of the violence sweeping this nation. Now, this wasn't a gun issue, but violence as a whole is having a problem. We, we heard of the story about the young, the young man that 
thought his wife was cheating on him, cut her throat, cut her head off, put it in a plastic bag, and drove it, put it in the back seat, and drove off. Where is the country? It's just a, it's, it's, it's in, uh, it's unimaginable that people are killing at this rate. Of course, the majority that we're seeing of late are guns, are, are shootings. You know, not too long ago, you can't go to the grocery store without getting shot to death. You can't go to church at a Bible study on a Wednesday night without being massacred. You can't go to the movie theater to the opening of Batman with a guy walking in in a Batman suit and killing a number of people. And to Samson's point, we first saw mass shootings. The first really shooting that shook the nation was Columbine. That was a horror show. We're going to deal with that, and we're going to take a rewind back and figure out how did we continue to get here today. It's not as simple as, oh, this guy's crazy. He shot people. What else is going on? If you don't look at it, you're going to have a problem. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. Let me tell you who to blame. Blame the boy lying at your feet, his body oozing life through the hole in his stomach where the bullet tore him apart. Blame him for challenging you, for not looking away and for not backing down when you pulled out the gun. Blame your mother for bringing you into this world when she was but a kid herself and for dragging you up, not bringing you up. Blame society for not giving you hope. Blame your father for not being there, the man who looked after himself instead of looking after you. Blame the gun in your hand for making you a target, for making you more likely to be picked off. Blame the dead boy, blame your mother, blame society, blame your father, blame the gun, blame anyone but yourself for not being strong enough to put down the gun. To break the cycle. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855-529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A just cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. I wanted to be in the military since I was since I was a kid. I served in the United States Air Force. I served a total of 16 years. I was deployed uh, 13 times. On my second deployment, four bombs hit my vehicle. And at 19 years old, that's the first time I ever saw somebody die. Coming back, I was raging. I started having pretty horrible nightmares. I would wake up in the middle of the night, sweats. I started drinking a lot. I felt worthless. I guess I never recognized it in myself. Eventually, one day, I just walked into the VA hospital and said I'd like to see somebody. Don't suffer alone. 
you got to find that link with somebody that'll make you let it go. It all starts with going to the VA. There's a whole community of veterans that just want to help you out. It's for the guys who couldn't come back, so you owe it to them to live well, because they're not here with their families. Barnt police officer who shot and killed a man. When I first saw the Oscar Grant footage, like a lot of people here in Oakland, I was outraged. As soon as I heard about it and I went online and I seen what had happened, tears came down my eyes. It was something that was very alarming as a police officer and as a citizen of Oakland. It was like such a blatant murder. You have a city in trauma. Anyone that's seen that and looks at it is in trauma. My hope is that people will express their concern with police brutality, but they will do so in constructive ways that don't include violence. We cannot perpetrate this cycle of harm and violence in this community. Because we do have to live here and they terrorize the city and it's only going to make it worse for us. They killed our young you can protest, you can try to make a change, but there is a positive way you can do it. And make sure we let the police know and that we're aware that stuff ain't right out here. We're trying to fix it. In a way that is about using your voice for justice and making Oakland a safer place for everyone to live and get along as one. Violence is not just Violence is not justice. Violence is not justice. Violence is not justice. Alright, Tom. Get ready for your day, buddy. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Do we have a gun? What's up? We have a gun. Why do you ask that, kiddo? Can I play with it? No. No, absolutely not. It's not a toy. You know that. Do I? I bet it looks like one. Yeah, well, it's not. Anyway, I need it to protect you, your sister and mom. From what? From bad guys. Like on TV. But what about the eight kids who get shot every day by mistake? Their daddies probably thought they were safe, too. Where'd you hear that? TV. Yeah, well, maybe we don't believe everything we hear on TV. Where do you keep it? <laughs> it's hidden. I bet it's on top shelf of the closet, under your sweatshirt. Is it loaded? It's not. I, I keep the bullets. In the boots with the red laces, and the chest beside the bed? I haven't found them yet, but I'm sure I can you always told me to be curious. Remember when I found my Christmas gift? I'm a good climber, you know. No. No, that's not what I meant. Look, I, I need to be ready if someone breaks in. So what about when it's just me and Mom? You taught me to be brave. I could use a gun to protect her. No, Justin, I promise. I'll teach you how to handle a gun when you're old enough. And what if I don't make it to old enough? I could get bullied and decide it's too much for me. It would be so easy with our gun. Our gun? No, buddy. My gun. But it is our gun. In our home. Happens all the time. I'll make sure that doesn't happen. I'm always here for you. But, Dad, you're not always here. Columbine, Virginia Tech. Tucson. Aurora. Fort Hood. Oak Creek. Newtown. 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 How many more? How many more? How many more colleges? How many more classrooms? How many more movie theaters? How many more houses of faith? 
How many more shopping malls? How many more street corners? How many more? How many more? Enough. 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 Demand a plan. Right now. As a mom. As a dad. As a friend. As a husband. As a wife. As an American. As an American. As an American. As a human being. For the children of Sandy Hook. Demand a plan. No more lists of names. It's not too soon. It's too late. Now is the time. Before we all know someone who loves someone on that list. No more lists. No more. Who they might have been. No more. If we had just done something yesterday. It's time. We can do better than this. We can do better than this. It's time. It's time. It's time for our leaders to act. Demand a plan. Right now. Right now. You! Demand it! Enough. 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 One operator nine and one. Where's the emergency? One twenty seven in there. Okay, what's going on there? I'd like to order a pizza for delivery. Ma'am, you reached nine one one. This is an emergency line. Uh, large with half pepperoni, half mushroom. Um, you know you've called nine one one. This is an emergency line. Do you know how long it'll be? Okay, ma'am. Is everything okay over there? Do you have an emergency or not? Yes. And you're unable to talk because. Right, right. Okay, is there someone in the room with you? Just say yes or no. Yes. Okay, um, it looks like I have an officer about a mile from your location. Are there any weapons in your house? No. Can you stay on the phone with me? No. Uh, see you soon. Thank you. I don't have to tell you about the challenges we face every day. That would be like preaching to the choir. Yeah. Today you have a chance to face the challenge of your risk for diabetes. My dad had diabetes, and one in four U.S. adults are at risk, myself included. If you're older than 45 or African-American, that risk increases. So here's a chance to ask yourself, what can I do? Talk to your doctor about getting screened and know what your options are. Learn more at AskScreenKnow.com. In the fabric of America, they are the toughest threads. One of the first things they learned was the code that every service member lives by. Leave no one behind. Now all of us need to live by it too, because some veterans are being left behind. 20 of them take their own lives every day. Learn how to be there for a veteran at BeThereForVeterans.com. Honor the code. Be there. Leave no one behind. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight as we have begun to roll back the curtain, if you will, on the violence that has swept this nation over a period of time uh, that people cannot seem yet at this point to figure out uh, the latest shooting um, uh, in Tulsa. Uh, the patient uh, felt wronged by a doctor. Uh, Phillips there decided to take vengeance on this doctor, uh, ended up killing other people, anybody that got in his way. Sounds like uh, a situation where uh, the person simply, the shooter simply snapped. Uh, They they say that you'll hear that terminology all the time when somebody just kind of snapped and lost all sense of reasoning. Uh, And I think that has happened in, in many things, in many uh, shootings and 
acts of violence. Uh, but the violence sweeping this nation right now is, is just uncomprehendable. Uh, you cannot wrap your hands around it other than we live in some very troubled times in this nation, in this world uh, uh, right now. And so uh, you folks can feel free to dial in to 646 uh, 646-200-0628. 646-200-0628 if you have a comment and want to get in the conversation, uh, we'd like to hear from you as well. I know a lot of our listeners are listening online versus via telephone. Uh, so at your own uh, leisure or convenience, you can feel free to dial into the show. Uh, as we were talking on the, the prior to the break, uh, the things we can talk all day long, we can talk all day long about the problem. Uh, what are we doing to address big business? Uh, the medical industry has become big business uh, a lot of times. And I'm not saying this about everybody in the industry. I think we got a lot of strong uh, people that, that help save lives. We've seen that uh, during the time of COVID. Uh, so I, and I, by no means do we take anything away from our medical uh, professionals out there that do everything they can to make things happen. But you have to deal with the other side of it. Uh, what about the medical professionals that are not doing what needs to be done uh, that will prompt a patient to say, you know what, you're responsible for my pain. People say, well, why would you do that? That's crazy. You have to be in pain to understand it. It doesn't excuse them. But you have to understand pain chronic pain that never goes away uh people are easy and again and i'll keep saying this as long as i as long as i talk on this show we're not excusing mass killings and shootings and senseless deaths of anybody we're trying to get to the core of what prompted a shooter to do what he did and in this case according to the police there in tulsa uh he felt really forgotten after his surgery, uh, he called twice, uh, two days or a day before this shooting was carried out. Nobody returned any calls. Nobody said as far as that's what the report is. Um, we ha if, if you expect to get to the solution of what moves people to action, good or bad, if you can't get there in conversation, you're never going to find the. You're never going to solve the problem. Yes, we have to deal with the fact that the security, wherever's the security of the hospital, uh, a, secu a hospital cannot be completely secured uh, with doors locked, where people have to go through an alternate option to get in the hospital because of the ER and emergency situations that will not allow or call for that. I believe I'm fair in that assessment, David. Yeah, I believe you are fair in that assessment. It's, again, it's something that is just, I don't know. It's, you try to come up with uh, a solution, but it does, it seems like every time you promote a particular solution, there are so many holes in it until uh, you just don't know. The assault weapons ban, the, people focus on assault weapons. Uh, specifically, I, I'm looking at a Reuters article in 2018 where the American College of Surgeons uh, went through the FBI database of mass shootings and analyzed the autopsies from 23 mass shootings from FBI records. Between 2000 and 2016, 
to understand where the victims were shot, how many times they were shot, the organs that were hit, the firearm type, and, and if injuries or deaths were preventable. Of the 232 victims whose body were, were autopsied, 73 were, were shot with handguns, 105 by rifles, uh, 22 by shotguns, and 32 by multiple firearms. The research team found that events with a handgun were associated with a higher percentage of people killed, whereas events involving a rifle were associated with more people shot. About 26% of those shot with a handgun had more than one fatal wound versus 2% of people shot with a rifle. Handguns were also more likely to be associated with brain and heart injuries. He said, all of us were shocked. This lady, uh, one of the doctors named Ms. Sarani, when we came to the table with our bias that an assault weapon would be worse. This should inform the medical community about what to expect at trauma centers. So you you start to look, and that, that's why I try to say, what is the solution? They're talking about assault weapons, man. This is a gun culture. And if you ban assault weapons, a couple of uh, handguns can do a, a whole lot of damage. Uh, uh, you, put, you pocket three handguns, hide them, walk into some place, pull each one out. Maybe Maybe it has 17 rounds in each one. So you're looking at close to 50 to 60 rounds there. So the question is, why are we having a conversation about assault weapons when the numbers and statistics show people are dying other? You just have to focus on guns. On and guns, what, period. Period, and what to do about gun about violence. guns. Not the and you're right. The conversation comes up. Well, what, these particular weapons should not be allowed. Why does somebody have an assault rifle? Well, less people are dying behind assault rifles than handguns. So we're having the wrong conversation. Well, and it's a gun culture problem. It's a gun culture problem. Dave? One thing that you look at, too, is in this country, there is no compassion anymore. We talked about this gentleman with, he had pain. Well, pain is something, again, that we've said can just make you snap. A family friend of, of mine had knee surgery the pain was so horrible afterwards, and she wasn't being heard. She killed herself. How many times have we heard about the people that had COVID, and their symptoms never got better, nobody listened to them, and they killed themselves? There, there is a point where people are feeling like they're not being heard, and you make it easy to get weapons now. I mean, one thing that I heard a, a couple of years ago is a reporter from the BBC from England, not even a U.S. citizen, walked into a gun show, bought an AR-15, walked to the next booth, bought the, uh, the rounds for the weapon, and walked out into the parking lot, all on live radio in a 15-minute time span, not even an American citizen. So you make it easy for somebody to get the weapon that's already having mental problems because they feel they're not being heard, they're in pain, whatever it is, whether it's mental pain or physical pain. And they think, well, if I'm feeling this way, I'm going to make somebody else feel this way. And you just have a spiral. And, it, and it's horrible. You do. Samson? No, and to Dave's point, I mean, I'm sitting here looking at an article where it says, like, chronic pain actually re rewires your brain. I mean, it causes... It says here, some of the symptoms are altered perceptions and cognition, emotional instability, and persistent pr pain will actually change the, the chemical composition of your brain. So, yeah, when they say, hey, you're in so much pain, you go crazy, that's not too much of a stretch. 
this man was being, as everybody's been saying, he's been denied due proper care. He is in pain. In his mind. In his mind. He, he is, he is, he is suffering in, in a way that he can't, um, he can't, he can't control it. He can't, you know, fathom how much pain he's in. And he, of course, he's going to target the last person that had their hands on him in a medical fashion, you know, as far as like, okay, you're the doctor, you were supposed to help me, you know? And then like they was just saying, you know, again, firearms are so easy to get a hold of here. I think the only reason people are focusing on AR-15s or anything like that is because it's a high profile weapon. It's what, I mean, you look at here in Colorado, there is a huge thing, but Oh, you can't have 30 round magazines. Well, it doesn't matter if you have a 30 round magazine, a, you know, a handful of 20 round magazines. The fact of the matter is, is if you're, you're due, uh, or I'm sorry, if you've got the intent to go out there and do damage, it doesn't matter to you how many magazines you got to tote around with you. The fact of the matter is, is I'm going to tote this around and I'm going to do what I feel I need to do so that I can be hurt. You know, it, does, it doesn't matter how many people they hurt or how long it takes them. They, capacity is capacity. Well, and the thing is, so I think assault weapons is the middle ground because you have to take something and you have to say, and they want to leave something because the gun, you're not taking guns away from Americans, period. So you, you, you try to put this sacrificial lamb of, let's say, AR-15s. Police don't like them because police know they can go through body armor. So let's, let's try that. But to me, it's, it's, as David is saying, it's a gun culture. It's not really one type of weapon. It's how do you prevent an individual thinking, well, my only way of resolution is to kill. And, and to that point, I think we mentioned last week about the word power. You get some of these individuals. I go to Sprout. You, you shop in everyday life, and you see these guys, and you just look at them and say, to your point, Kendrick, if we're saying, why do you feel that you need to have a gun? Because I'll, I'll look at the gentleman, I'm like, and I saw one somebody at a coffee shop with an AR-16. Do you? This is not the movies, guys, where people just walking in and everyone's just uh, uh, shooting. It's like, why do you feel the need to show this showcase an AR-15 strapped to your back? Where did what, you see that? At, at a Starbucks. It's a guy because it's an open. Uh, Open carry. Open carry. Yeah. So yeah. he had an AR-15 at a coffee shop. So again, when I go in there, it's like, in my mind, I ask the question, why do you need that much? This well, is not Russia's not coming. No one is invading the United States or Colorado. But you feel this need to, to your point. I have to show if, if, if and if I raise my voice, hey man, immediately you. People in that that's that's Starbucks or that grocery store. When you see that, you're going, you know, you're just because you don't know why are you. It's the word power to say I'm walking around in a grocery store. If well, anything jumps off, I'm ready. Well, here's what you here's what you got to look at. Every culture is different, right? Uh, I'm not excusing it. And reasonably, nobody has an AR-15 on their back. I don't know where this guy lives. Does he live in the mountains with bears and, and whatever case may he, be? He's in the city of Con- North Carolina. No, I'm making a point. Right, I got you. We don't know right. what, what his environment is just because we're not used to it. Now, I don't agree, I agree with you 100%. But with that, somebody is always going to have a counter argument. Sure. To why, you know what, we have a right to bear arms in this country. That's where they're going. That the Constitution, with the right to bear arms, didn't put a specific type of weapon. They simply said you have a right to bear arms. 
So you're going to have people, we don't agree with it. They're going to say the Constitution gives me this right. Well, and I've seen people with, a, and it's an open carry state. Right. So you know what? If I want to strap an AR-15 on my back and go grocery shopping and buy some milk and potatoes for the house, I can, you legally in this country can do it. I know, and, and, but what message, that's, that's the point. What message, I always look, it's like you're going to get some apples and bananas, and you felt the need. I'm going to get my grocery list, and by the way, I'm putting my AR-15 on my back. question. What if this guy, you know what, he heard somebody went up and shot up a grocery store when they were just grocery shopping. No, no, I he get says, it. Wait a minute, guess what? Uh, if they want to start shooting when I'm picking up my groceries, <laughs> I'm going to be ready. But, I'm, but, but that's again. the point. You, you get into this. I tug of war to say, okay, um, it, it's just I'm going to get some co- a coffee or get me a bite to eat and get a burger, and I see. I'm okay. in agreement with you. I'm yeah. in agreement with you. Yeah, but some of the people that went in Buffalo, I mean, they just went to get something to eat. And, the, and you know what? And look what happened. Look what happened to them. Yeah. Yeah, but say, who's, who's to mean, say this guy with the AR-15 on his back, who's to say he's not the next shooter? Because that's what's going through everybody else's mind. Well, who, but who's to say, say that he is? He is? That's, yeah. that's the yeah. problem. And, and I have yet to see this mythical armed citizen stop a mass shooting. Yes, so that that hasn't happened. So that's always the thing. Well, we need citizens with guns to stop that. But they, not one of them yet has been there to mass shooting and save the day. Well, Starbucks they're, they're, they're not necessarily the bullies. The, the, the guns are supposed to be to protect your home and your family typically from from violence uh uh the reality there are weapons military grade weapons that are illegal that they can't be sold on the open market so uh, the government has determined what weapons if they feel like it's military grade and the only military should be using it they can say i don't they don't sell m16s at the uh at the uh it's a military weapon they don't sell those at, at the gun stores and they're and they're not allowed to sell those at the gun stores. They do have stuff as deadly as uh, M16. Well, technically, if you watch, there they did a they did a study on that between it's a, it's a YouTube channel called Duran uh, Thumb. He did a, a study on the difference between an M4 and a consumer version of the AR-15 that they sell. He said outside of uh, he actually said outside of the military one being fully auto, the consumer versions are actually better. He said they got the cooler tech, so they're easier to shoot. Well, they're more stable. So they they're they're selling this product, and this product is being advertised. And they, hey, it's effective advertising. People, that, I mean, right now we're not saying AK forty seven, AR fifteen, AR AR fifteen style. They they've marketed this particular weapon to perfection. But outside of the marketing of that weapon, how many weapons are on the streets? What weapons are on the streets accessible? On the streets of America. We have many weapons so that right now America is probably in no threat to ever get invaded because the citizens have more weapons probably than the invaders. There's guns all over the place in this country. So and you can access them. You can access them and you can get them. And, and I think the argument – no one's trying to take anyone's right to carry a gun. We're just trying to say can we have some sort of – if it's possible, policies that make it that it, there's safety. And that people don't believe that but how do because we I'm, ha- there? I, I'm, I'm just saying maybe to make it to where it's a longer process to get a gun because the guy in Tulsa was able to get the gun same day. All now, right. may- maybe if we could have delayed, I'm not saying it's going to solve every issue, but if maybe there was a delay there. So let's say this, Kendrick, to your point. Two days later. Yeah, let me say it to your point. What if point. it was a month later and then someone could at least say, hey, let's address this guy's pain problem. Well, let's if if, if they knew he was in pain. But let's just say this. 
say we say there's a delay in weapons. Guess what? My boy down the street living behind 7-Eleven has a stockpile of guns. Yeah, there's, and, there's and no delay. There's no delay, but that boy has an issue to say, hey, if I give Demetrius my gun, Demetrius used to the grocery store, we're both going to prison. How is that? So that's because if – yeah. That, they do do that. If if they find that I'm the one that supplied but, but, Demetrius but with the weapon. The, say the people who are doing it really um, black market. Black market. That, you know what? Ain't no serial number on that gun. Something's been cut off on the end of it. It's maybe it's, it's a, it was a longer weapon. It's cut off. And these guys cover their, their re-ends to say, look, hey, man, here's a gun. You're going to drop me $500 for and, that and gun. I, and I got you. There's always right? there's always going to be like, no, alcohol is legal. They still make moonshine. I'm not saying it's going to solve. Like any sort of illegality, you're going to have legal, illegal, any guns on the street, no matter what policy you put. People are going to do illegal, illegally. So the issue is we have to. A lot of these people that are are recent in recent times doing these mass shootings, they, they were legal gun owners. Legal, they bought they the legally gun. purchased exactly. the weapon. But, right. but the question is, uh, though, Ken, is how many? Suppose that day they sold a hundred AR-15s in that city and one crazy uh, one guy motivated to do evil decided he was gonna one out of a hundred I'm gonna take my AR-15 and these are the counter arguments people make well how many AR-15 owners in the country and how many of actually carrying out mass shootings and so uh, the counter argument would be well this guy Something's wrong with him. He was motivated to do something illegal and evil, and he went and done it. But then you come back and say, well, you want to take away my assault rifle. And, but what if I'm saying not taking your assault rifle, but I'm saying here, if you want to buy an assault rifle, you also have to get insurance to insure the gun just in case someone's accidental death. You also have to have proper storage for the gun. You just can't have this gun under your bed. So if you want assault rifles, you have to buy a gun. So you make it to where if you really want an assault rifle – let us make you jump in some hoops, and you're not just getting one the same day, or I'm giving it to my little cousin because he turned 18 today, and I gave him a present of assault rifle. And there's no training. There's no safety. There's no – And I, I, I'm not against it. If you want and to I'm just saying, I'm, a weapon – Yeah, I'm just saying fine. let – there's well, there has to be something that the safety well, can put well, in place well, well, this, to try to make well, it – Well, this is the problem. Obama tweeted, we have to do anything. Anything? What does that mean? Okay, anything is not a solution. Well, so, he's saying well, anything because right now the the solution is nothing. So I think that's what he's saying. Let's anything try, that we can yeah, do let's that try will something. help. You know, let's, I think that's what the president. Obama well, then why don't let's anything? Let's sing Kumbaya and, and talk about no, no. how how peaceful it is, and go to the Granola Valley corner and say hopefully that'll help solve gun gun, gun problems. No, no, no. We just need to have a solution, an actual solution. That is going to actually work. The issue That's with the real issue with President Obama was this: they repealed his attempt to slow down guns going to the mentally ill, to ensure that there was ex- extended background to make sure mentally ill people could not uh, ac- have access to guns. So when they repealed it, he said, "I'm just trying to do something." That can save some lives. That'll lower the body bag count in this country. But the, the problem with that is, uh, Mont, is did Obama actually build politicians build vague laws that are used for political capital? But um, this was pretty and, solid. And who do you who determines the mentally ill? So you got to create a mentally ill database 
to stop mentally ill well, people from getting a weapon. So what methods? And now you're in, into health issues, uh, health care, privacy, and all those other things. So if this person is mentally ill, he's in a database, and we already know what the government does with databases. Um, his, so I, that that's the big government solutions don't ever seem to, to no, work. No, no, no. I think the the problem with what they did to President Obama in that situation, they stopped him with something he was at least trying to do. Yeah, I got to give yeah. President Obama credit that he was trying to say we can do something or try, as Kendrick argues tonight, yeah. what can we do? Is there something we can do that says less body bags are going to be filled on the streets of this country and at elementary school, junior high school? Can we do something at least to start something? Yeah, and you can't. That was the point to him making the point, can we do anything? Yeah, and exactly, because the Republicans are jumping on the mental health issue, and they're also saying this is not a gun issue, it's mental health and school safety. they sa- repealed it. And they're saying it's school safety. Exactly, it's politics, and this, that's yeah. the silly part, because you can't turn that people are dying by guns and say this is a school safety issue. No, no, no because there are people dying at grocery stores. There's yeah. like the, uh, the during the march when uh, I can't remember the guy's name that, that shot, that killed the six men, and he had a gun illegally. You know, he really supposed to have one. So it's an issue with guns. That's what it we, is. We have to we have to stop thinking that we have a police force. We don't need every citizen walking around with a gun thinking they're going to stop a crime. Because most don't anyway they don't. to that point. We're going to revisit Charleston right now as well as uh, uh, Judy Q addresses Sandy Hook. She's a uh, congressman uh, in, in Washington, D.C. We're going to hear both of these accounts of the violence. Place. Let's, let's take a listen. Advising of an active shooter, multiple people down. A Wednesday night Bible study erupts in gunshots. All units responding 110 Calhoun Street. The shooting at Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church, one of the oldest churches in the South, and once part of the Underground Railroad during slavery. At the scene, eight are pronounced dead, six females, two males. Another man dies later in the hospital. Several victims regarding that active shooter. Give me at least four medic units plus two supervisors on that call, please. The gunman manages to evade officers and a frenzied manhunt ensues. Charleston Police Department then releases this photo of a young man entering the church on Wednesday evening. We have investigators that are out tracking leads that are coming in, and we will continue to do that until we find this individual who has uh, carried out this crime tonight and bring him to justice. As daylight breaks on Thursday, the manhunt continues and the suspected shooter is identified. Meantime, a community tries to comprehend what is incomprehensible. We woke up today and the heart and soul of South Carolina was broken. And so we have some grieving, too. And we've got some pain we have to go through. The president noticeably shaken. Any death of this sort is a tragedy. Any shooting involving multiple victims is a tragedy. There is something particularly heartbreaking about death happening in 
a place in which we seek solace and we seek peace in a place of worship. By mid-morning, authorities receive a tip from someone who thinks they recognize the shooter's car driving in Shelby, North Carolina, some 250 miles west of Charleston. 10.43 a.m., our officers observed the vehicle traveling west on Dixon Boulevard. Suspect was stopped by officers at 10.44 a.m. The officers identified the only occupant of the vehicle, Dylan Root. Mr. Root was taken into custody at 10.49 a.m. and was transported here to Shelby Police Department. The gunman, still armed, is taken into custody during a traffic stop without incident. The subject is now in custody. The immediate threat to the community no longer exists and we'll let the legal process run its course. This Friday, an unimaginable horror happened. The most innocent amongst us, 20 beautiful children, ages six and seven, were gunned down in cold blood, and six adults died trying to save these children's lives. My heart breaks for these families, and I send my deepest sympathies to the Newtown community and to all who are struggling through this unthinkable tragedy. Sandy Hook made clear what we've known for too long, that we are not doing enough to protect the public from deadly weapons, that we are not doing enough to address mental health issues in our society, that we are not doing enough to stand up to those who are actually saying that more guns, not less, are the solutions to mass shootings. This must change. For the sake of our children, I say enough is enough. Congress must act to put a stop to this senseless gun violence. A nation in disarray. cannot hardly speak. It's one tragedy after another tragedy after another tragedy. We talk about shootings and killings and all that is taking place in this country. And America is in a whirlwind, spiraling out of control with the violence that we see. We're getting a story right now of, a, of the pregnant woman, you may have heard of the story, was shot five times by officers. She was pregnant, said she had a weapon, but she came out with her hands up. The picture that I'm told that is circulating looks severely photoshopped. Uh, she has no ankles in the picture. She, her hand is actually going through a fence, uh, which is just not reality. How do you shoot a pregnant woman? This is, listen, the gun violence in this country is simply not citizens that are taking the law into their own hands. It's happening at the hand of police officers as well. That's a whole nother show. But we... And I'm going to see how to pronounce this name. Um, of this young lady, I do not want to 
slaughter the snake and they see it directly. Okay, the lady's name, uh, she was the eyewitness. The lady by the name of Shadanja, an eyewitness who videotaped the incident, said the woman told Kansas City cops she was pregnant and couldn't lie down on the ground as commended. An eyewitness is providing a harrowing account of how a pregnant woman was shot on Friday in Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City Star spoke to a 29-year-old woman identifying herself as Shadanja, who maintained that she was in the parking lot of the Family Dollar Store located at 6th Street and Prospect Avenue, where police were reportedly attempting to arrest a man and woman in connection with the suspected carjacking. The man exited the vehicle and ran, jumping a fence. He was pursued by three officers. The woman got out of the car and was ordered to the ground. The eyewitnesses says the woman told police that she was pregnant and couldn't follow that command. The woman reportedly also told officers that there was a gun in the car. And she began backing towards a fence. Authorities continued to approach her with their weapons drawn. She then ran three steps from them, and they shot her five times. She did not pull out a weapon on them, Shadonja told the Star Saturday in a phone interview. She did not even have a stick in her hand. One, two, three, four, five. I remember it because it didn't stop, she said. They shot five times. I remember seeing her hit the ground, and I froze. Shadanja also claimed that the woman had her hands up moments before she was shot. This is why citizens feel free to run out and commit the crimes that are, that are sweeping over the last seven years in this country. How do you point a gun at a pregnant woman with her hands up and you shoot her five times? That is shooting to kill. We talk about the violence. The violence does not stop with citizens. It continues with law enforcement. Woman was pregnant and you shot her dead and you killed her unborn baby. I guarantee not a single one of those cops is going to be charged. No, not a single homicide, much less a double. And any 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 normal citizen on the street, you accidentally do that to a pregnant woman, you're going to prison for double homicide. That's right. Bottom line. But the fact of the matter is, is like you said, they're out of control, and there's no that we keep talking about it on this on the show. Oh. There is no accountability. There people aren't being held responsible for their actions. That. Thick blue line, big blue wall, whatever you want to call it, it starts there. And then all these young men that are aspiring to be whatever they want to be, they get their hands on a weapon. I'm just going to do what I see. They see no exactly. They see no justice. They see no reprisal for what's going on. Then when reality hits them, and like, oh my god, the cops are coming after me now because I went out and did something stupid. Rather than face up to, oh, they're just going to turn the gun on themselves. They said Shadanja said she asked the assembled officers why the woman was shot, but they didn't answer her. She also recorded part of the incident, and according to the star whose staffers reviewed the footage, the targeted woman is seen lying on the ground with blood on her shirt as she is being handcuffed. You went and handcuffed this lady. 
after she was dead. And you wonder why the state of the country is what it is? Another woman who told the officers, I have a gun in the car. William, what's the gentleman's name in Minnesota? Orlando Castillo. Orlando Castillo said, I have a gun. The cop emptied his clip in front of this young man's three-year-old daughter and fiance in the car. The lady says there's a gun in the car thinking she's doing the right thing because these are the cops. They shot her dead five times. Can somebody give me an answer here? Well, Samson had hit on the issue that I think is that really one of the, one of the major issues at the, at the core of this, this topic is accountability. Now, I think David brought up a situation brought up um, about the the foreign journalist, the British journalist that brought, went into a gun store. I went into a gun show. Is that correct? Now, all those things can happen. And the thing that's so wrong at the core of this is that there's laws all along those lines that are at least there are impediments for those things, things that are blockers that shouldn't allow these things to happen. But the problem is, is that. People are not being held accountable. And, and let me make a correction. They said, I guess the lady survived her wounds. Is that correct? She survived her wounds. Is that right, Sydney? Correct. They're wow. saying that she is in stable condition. After five shots? There's a lot of uh, different reports. That's why they were saying they need to call to release the footage. Well, listen, let me tell you, you know, where the, you know where the controversy is? Because people are outraged about what happened. So let's just... See, let's have three, five, seven, ten different versions of what happened. Well, uh, that's our, why lady, our, our lady on the research team, and not to interrupt any, made it clear that the photo is looks photoshopped. Where they, it just doesn't look real. So they want to listen. Officers have been known. We saw it. I forget the gentleman's name off the top of my head, where the officer shot him and dropped a taser of some that sort. That was. Uh, uh, Walter Scott, Scott. Walter Scott case, yes. And we saw him on camera drop drop the taser or whatever it was. It was a, it was a weapon of some sort. Of some sort. So dropped it. To say he would be justified to shoot. Did Walter Scott get shot in the back? He got shot in the back. He was uh, he stopped at an intersection, got out of the car, took off running, and the police officer was uh, in pursuit, shot him in the back, and it was recorded uh, by a citizen over the fence. Over oh, the fence, back. which – and it, it was very – Sad because I remember the interview with Anderson Cooper with the mother of Walter Scott. Uh, that his son. Now, if I'm walking away from you, you want to tell me why you if you're clipping my back? Yeah, you can't tell me because I'm probably dead at that point. But why are you shooting into a man's back who not ceases to be a threat to you? How's that possible? So let me tell you something, folks. The problem in this country with guns starts at the top. Starts at the top. Well, and, and then, I mean, we have so many situations that have happened. If you look at some of the polarizing cases that have happened this year, one that comes to mind is Kyle Rittenhouse. So Kyle Rittenhouse is the 17-year-old that goes across state lines with an AR-15, goes, uh, I believe it's to Minnesota, and is involved in, in shooting. Now, he's allowed to, he's basically acquitted because the judge in the case allowed him um, 
law that was basically the violation that he was in where he was underage possession of a of a firearm without the accompaniment of a of a of a parent which which is the law that's pretty much across all the states which allows like you know you to take your son into the woods and and hunt and you can allow him to carry the gun as long as you in as the, the presence you know, of the, the, the adult so now that's when they you know he took his mom his mom dropped him off across state lines with an AR15 and he and and so now the judge lets him happen let it go on but this is another case Absolutely. Do we have a caller in queue? Hello? Okay. Yes. Uh, thanks for calling the AJC Radio. What's your comment or question tonight? Okay. I wanted to comment on uh, several things that you're all talking about. Thank you for allowing me to speak uh, yes. about the gun control and different things. I remember when Obama was uh, trying to get that uh, taken care of. And in Colorado, some of the uh, reps, um Political uh, people were this uh, chaired. I mean, how do you say that they were they were out out of their uh, seats? They uh, lost, like John Morris. They recalled his uh, uh, seat, and a lady in Pueblo, she lost her her uh, seat as well. And right. so they would they were not allowing the uh, Democrats to get that taken care of. And that was back when Obama was in office. And right. we're going to have the same thing. We're not going to be able to get. What we need to get done because uh, it, it was very heavy uh, Republicans that was against the gun control, and Correct. it's really a twofold because you really can't do a mental health evaluation, as you said that some people might snap, but a lot of them will not snap. Uh, Friday on Friday this past Friday they had a, mm-hmm. a a professional on television. She said if you get all the people with mental health illness and you get a uh, kept them from getting a gun, it'd only be 5% of the shooters. So what happened to the 95%? Who are they? She said, this was her quote-unquote, that uh, it's the people who are feeling entitled and people are out of control. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Jane, thank you for your comment. Uh, Listen, we all know it's a political issue going on in this country. We already know that. That's front and center in everything that we deal with, uh, with the gun laws that goes on in this country. We're going to take a quick break. Ladies and gentlemen, feel free to dial in 646-200-0628, 646-200-0628. Thanks, James, for the call. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. My nephew Joshua was 13 when he was killed in 2001. Was living with me at the time. He asked me, can I go by Billy's house? I thought, well, you know, what's the harm in that? You know? My mistake was I assumed that there was a parent home. I assumed his father had his weapon properly secured. The kid had removed the magazine, so the kid was sure that the gun was safe. And what he didn't know was there was a bullet chamber. Joshua had this fear of weapons because he lost his mother to gun violence. I think this kid really pulled the trigger to show Joshua that, that it was not dangerous. 
The hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life is to tell my mom we have to bury her grandson. The pain was so great, we just wanted to do something positive and we also wanted to try to prevent families from experiencing the same pain that this put my family through. With again working with the End Family Fire campaign. Family Fire is the accidental shooting of a family member with a weapon that was improperly secured, improperly stored. It's a difficult conversation for people. You don't want to ask or say anything to your neighbors because you don't want to offend them. But there are important things we should know. Where are they going when they play? What is the environment of that home? We have to understand that children are inquisitive. They're curious. And there's not one corner of the house that they haven't gone through. If you're a gun owner, you have to make sure your weapon is inaccessible. It will save the family from the pain and the trauma that my family's put through. Because once that happens, it's forever. And if I could prevent one family from experiencing that, then his life will have some purpose. Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you a question? Did you know that there are over 2.4 million people behind bars in the United States. I'll ask you one more question. Were you aware that that is the highest number of people behind bars in the entire world? The United States makes up of only 5% of the world's population, but we have over 25% of the world's prison population. America prides itself on being the most advanced and progressive nation on earth. However, sadly, we are also the world's most archaic. I'm going to give you a personal invitation to get involved with the fight against mass incarceration. Take a few moments to call 1-855-529-4252. That is a just cause. And we fight for justice. Again, call a just cause today. Don't delay. Call 1-855-529-4252. It is time, and I say high time, that we take America's incarceration seriously. Won't you join us? Call today. When does it stop being partly cloudy and start being partly sunny? Why is the word abbreviation so long? Are English muffins just muffins in England? Why is it called a washing line and not a drying line? Do fish get thirsty? If ghosts can walk through doors, why don't they fall through floors? Do you yawn when you sleep? If prunes are dried plums, how do they make prune juice? Why do doctors leave the room when you change? They're going to see you naked anyway. Do board chefs wear hairnets? How much deeper would the ocean be 
if all the sponges were taken out. Do you believe someone who says they're a chronic liar? Why is sandwich bread square and sandwich meat round? Life's full of hard questions. Ask one more. You might just save a lot. There's a lot of mud when it rains here, and it makes it really hard to find food. There are car bombs every day. My mom worries about me when I go out. Every time I hear the alarm bell go off in school, I think it's an air raid. Sometimes I have nightmares about it. A lot of houses in our neighborhood have been destroyed. I like to close my ears and sing songs whenever the bombs come close. My dad says we have to leave, which makes me scared. I'm worried our new neighbors won't like us. What if they don't understand our religion? Because we don't speak the language, it might be hard for me to make friends. But I know it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be worth it. I just want my family to be safe. But these are not my words. These are not my words. These are not my words. Ladies and gentlemen, AJC Radio returning again to you tonight, dealing with the tragedy of a nation. We find ourselves in very unfortunate and familiar territory, where the lives of children, medical staff, nurses, every occupation really that's available in this country, people continue to die at an alarming rate. You cannot now turn on your television sets in the evening as you get home, perhaps at the dinner table with your family, without seeing the death of someone or the shooting of someone or the massacre or the mass shooting of others. The question is tonight is how do we find our way out of this tunnel? How do we somehow return to better days? As Kendrick has alluded to on this show tonight, and his passion is clear as it is for all of us, what can we do? How do we get into the mind of a killer, of a shooter? of a young man that is in so much chronic pain, he felt a need to retaliate and to kill the innocent. And honestly, in all the times we have done this show, it leaves you at a loss. Um, We're going to remember now some of the things that have happened as we've been talking about looking back as violence has swept across this country 
with a few clips right now. Let's play the clips. On this day, I was out. Uh, I just finished working on the on the, uh, the the grass area, and I was actually watering the infield um, when the fire alarm went off. The fire alarm went off, and I, I was an SRO before I spent several years at Coral Springs High School um, before I um, before I became or before I came promoted um, and um, routine thing. Um, so the fire alarm goes off. I'm still doing what I'm doing out on the field. And I see kids starting to walk out from the into the senior parking lot, which is directly north of the 12 building. Um, you know, they're just walking out normally. Um, I hear what I now know to be five or six gunshots. Um, at first, I honestly thought there were fireworks. I thought the kids were screwing around. I thought maybe someone let off some fireworks in the school, set off the fire alarm. That's what I was thinking. Um, the kids were really not reacting. Uh, in the parking lot, they were just walking, um, looked like they were messing around type of stuff, you know, typical high school thing when kids get out at a, um, uh, out of, for a fire alarm. And then all of a sudden the situation changed, obviously. Um, <clears throat> kids started to run, kids started to scream. Uh, that time I heard a round of probably about another five or six shots. Um, obviously I, um, dropped the hose that I was using the water infield and ran towards the um, parking lot, which is where the kids were. Um, immediately when I ran into the parking lot, I encountered uh, a young student. Um, I have permission from his mother to give his name. His name, uh, his name is Kyle. Um, I'm not going to give you his last name. Um, but Kyle had a massive gunshot wound to his, I can't remember which side, ankle, ankle area, lower ankle area, I think. Um, I was able to grab him and take him back to where I was, where I previously was, which is the, the baseball area, which they have a clubhouse, in which there was a, one of our coaches and a parent that was actually in the clubhouse. Um, we have a, a first aid kit in the clubhouse, so I was able to go ahead and, and bandage that, do a compression bandage the best I could with what we had, um, and then we handed them off, and immediately the fire department was outside the door of the thing, of the, uh, the clubhouse, um, immediately handed it off to them, and they took they took control of um, Kyle. I actually just found out who Kyle was, matter of fact, um, yesterday or the day before. I can't remember. Um, I'm going to try and go see him this evening. I have not yet seen him, but I have been in contact with him. Um, he's still in the hospital. Uh, he's in, he's in uh, intensive care. Uh, I just had another surgery yesterday, or yesterday or the day before, um, to help repair his, his leg. So um, after that, um, I met up um, when I Gave him Kyle off to the paramedics. Uh, Captain McKeon was outside of the um, the locker room where we were. He's um, he's also a SWAT, one of our SWAT guys. So he had an extra vest and uh, his backup weapon with him because he was using his rifle. So I took his his um, SWAT vest and I put it on. I was wearing a pair of shorts and a t-shirt. Um, put it on and then um, got his gun, his secondary weapon. And we systematically cleared back towards the 12 building because, you know, unfortunately, I have a I have a knowledge of that school pretty well of where it was. Plus, um, I did leave out something. I'm sorry. When we were inside the building or inside the um, locker room, Kyle gave me a tremendous description of what was going on, um, what the shooter was wearing, um, all that type of stuff of, of what actually was going on in the building. 
what building was he was in, and I was able to relay that to our dispatch. Um, I can't tell you whether people have asked me in the past whether I called 911 or I called our non-emergency number. To be honest with you, I think I called 344-4200, which is our non-emergency number. It's just a habit. So, um, and then uh, after that, I called. Uh, After that, I called my wife. <clears throat> Thank you. And um, luckily, I was able to get a hold of her. <clears throat> and by the grace of God, my wife and my son on the opposite ends of the school. My son was out on a bathroom pass and my wife was in planning inside the girls' locker room. And we both heard the fire alarm and decided to evacuate. Um, by the grace of God, when they walked down the hallway, they found each other. And they were able to shelter in place. other students or three other teachers <clears throat> two other teachers I'm sorry and uh, 62 other students and uh, so once I found that information out it made me obviously a little more relieved and I could focus on tasks at hand this afternoon I spoke with Governor Malloy and FBI Director Mueller I offered Governor Malloy my condolences on behalf of the nation and made it clear he will have every single resource that he needs to investigate this heinous crime, care for the victims, counsel their families. We've endured too many of these tragedies in the past few years. And each time I learn the news, I react not as a president, but as anybody else would, as a parent. And that was especially true today. I know there's not a parent in America who doesn't feel the same overwhelming grief that I do. The majority of those who died today were children. Beautiful little kids between the ages of 5 and 10 years old. They had their entire lives ahead of them, birthdays, graduations, weddings, kids of their own. Among the fallen were also teachers, men and women who devoted their lives to helping our children fulfill their dreams. So our hearts are broken today for the parents and grandparents sisters and brothers of these little children, and for the families of the adults who were lost. Our hearts are broken for the parents of the survivors as well. For as blessed as they are to have their children home tonight, they know that their children's innocence has been torn away from them too early, and there are no words that will ease their pain. As a country, we have been through this too many times. 
whether it's an elementary school in Newton or a shopping mall in Oregon or a temple in Wisconsin or a movie theater in Aurora or a street corner in Chicago. These neighborhoods are our neighborhoods and these children are our children. We're going to have to come together and take meaningful action to prevent more tragedies like this, regardless of the politics. This evening, Michelle and I will do what I know every parent in America will do, which is hug our children a little tighter, and we'll tell them that we love them, and we'll remind each other how deeply we love one another. But there are families in Connecticut who cannot do that tonight, and they need all of us right now. In hard days to come, that community needs us to be at our best as Americans, and I will do everything in my power as president to help. Because while nothing can fill the space of a lost child or loved one, all of us can extend a hand to those in need to remind them that we are there for them, that we are praying for them, that the love they felt for those they lost endures not just in their memories, but also in ours. Well, there you have it. I think the point that President Obama made as a nation, as the human race, uh, there usually is a sense of loss and sadness when tragedy hits this level. President Obama was talking about the Sandy Hook killing, shooting. just uncomprehendable that it's, it continues to go like a revolving door. Um, to the victims, families that were lost in the Tulsa shooting, AJC Radio gives our sincere condolences to those families. To all the shootings that many will suffer for a lifetime. give our sincere condolences to the mother or father of the shooter of T- in Tulsa. We give our sincere condolences to the loss of this life. There are no winners here. There are no people here that go unscathed. But the pain is very real. Dave, your thoughts, when you listen to uh, Dave Zapolo, your thoughts when we listen to just those two shootings, and there are many, I have a list that goes all the way to the list to number 24. We play two. When you hear the president, you hear the families, you hear the, the really heartfelt account of violence by the officer at that school who his wife and his son were able to escape 
such loss. What is? What? How does that make you feel? It's painful to hear because you know you're going to hear it again. I, I I think that's one of the things is you hear it, but it's not something that you're going to hear once. You're going to hear it over and over and over again. You look back at, like you say, the list of shootings that you have. I, I look back and I think of this um, fairly often is in 1998, there was a shooting at the Connecticut lottery and a friend that I went to school with both high school and college was killed in that shooting. So it affects people around the country. You don't know the person you might be standing next may, may have had an effect of a shooting that occurred in this country. And to know that the solution is not an easy one. The solution is not something that we're going to be able to flip a switch and it's going to stop. It's painful. It's painful for sure. Go ahead, Tanik. I was just going to say our society is becoming, you're basically not safe anywhere. Those shootings are happening, you know, at the store, at the mall, at the job. Uh, so either people are going to lock themselves in their house and be scared, or they're going to say, you know what, I'm going to go out and get a gun too. So then I can protect. And now you have the issue is magnified because now I feel unsafe. So I'm going to go get a gun to protect my family. So then the, like I said, the issue becomes bigger. Well, the issue is big. It's a big problem. It's our job as advocates to speak to the issues that face the nation. Um, we will continue to do that on this show. Many times our scheduled show that we intend to do is not timely. Out of respect for the victims of these types of violences, the loss of life, it is our job to say we care. It is our job to put the story out and to speak to the issues that help a nation or cripple it. We do that tonight with saddened hearts that, as Tanik just alluded to, and Dave's point, which was so candid, the sadness is not only what has happened today, but the habitual pattern of it happening again and again and again. I would implore members of Congress of the United States Senate, the President of the United States, at what point do you set aside the politics of it all and implement change? For the mother that will go into a holiday season in months to come without their little boy or their little girl, that's worth laying, laying aside politics. To the little brother that lost his sister, the sister that lost her brother to the children that lost their parents. It is worth fighting for. It is our hope at AJC Radio and Just Cause Organization that we continue to call out injustice 
wherever we find it. What has happened in this country is a pure injustice. Because those that have the power to bring action fail to do so. Not because they don't have the tools to change it. Not because there's no way to come together. As to Pastor Banks' statement a week ago, it hasn't hit their front door yet. It shouldn't have to hit your front door. If it hits an American citizen's door, it hits your door, according to the oath in which you took when you were sworn into office for the Congress for the Senate of the United States. It's time to come together. It's our hope that that takes place. We will continue this discussion on shows to come. And until next time, America, we say good night from AJC Radio. Good night.